Hey friends, welcome to The Nurse Pod. I'm your host, Nurse V, where we talk about healthcare, self-care, social justice, narrative and storytelling, and everything in between. And in this episode two, I want to try something a little bit different. In this one, I am documenting in real time. So I'm recording in real time the feeling leading up to my night shift. So some of the experience of getting ready, um, driving during night shift, um, coming home from night shift. So what is that experience is all about? I want to give you a little bit more perspective of sort of the uh, mentality and what goes in my head uh, working as a new grad nurse. So definitely an interesting uh, episode for sure. I will apologize that some of the footage are a little bit disjointed and the recording may vary from time to time but that's just because I'm recording on my phone and I'm walking and talking at the same time so you'll be hearing a lot of environmental sounds in the background to kind of give more of that organic feeling right um, a lot of informations are being cut out especially about patients information and HIPAA so we definitely want to keep those confidentiality and be very purposeful when we're recording and making sure that we're able to deliver um, the most of the storytelling behind um, as a night shift nurse but also making sure that a lot of the uh, patient identifiers are being left out so just an FYI so sit back relax enjoy and let's get to nursing It's about 4.20 p.m. right now, and I've been having a really hard time having consistent amount of sleep. I've been kind of weaving in and out of sleep. About one hour's in, and I would wake up, and I would fall back to sleep, and then wake up another hour. And it's been like this. Usually, I would go to bed around 9 a.m., but my body wouldn't let me sleep past noon. And after noon, I just kind of weave in and out. I took about 10 milligrams of melatonin. It's probably the most I've ever taken. And still, that can't really knock me out. I already got blackout curtains. On top of that, I'm wearing a face mask. But there's just some reason my body wouldn't let me sleep. I always get that groggy feeling. About an hour from now, around five, I set my alarm. I'm about to shower, dress, eat, and get myself ready for work. And about 6.30, I would leave the house, so. I'll try to squeeze in as much as I can. Uh, part of life, all part of the night shift life, I suppose. Well, how'd you sleep? Uh, could have been better. My eyes are kind of tired still. What are we eating for dinner? Or breakfast or lunch or whatever it is right now? Whatever time of day it is, um, we've got some beef and radish soup, Korean style, and some sourdough breadsticks. That sounds good. I'll probably just have a PB&J. So one of the things about getting dressed for work is the challenge of having to put on these compression socks. You think I'll be used to it by now, but uh, these things really wrapped around your legs really, really tight. It kind of feels like you're 
putting your feet into really tight sausage casing. Or at least that's what my legs feel like. But knowing the challenges that comes with putting on these socks, it's gonna reap in a lot of benefits, especially when you're on your feet for 12 hours, right? You're running back and forth on nights, turning off all these IV machines, fixing all these IV machines, catering to patients' needs, you know. I would say I probably walk on average a little bit over five miles for every 12 hours, so. So definitely, definitely worth it. For all you new nurses or student nurses who are doing their clinicals, invest in high quality compression socks. I'm currently wearing a Sockwell. It's 100% cotton and very comfortable, I would say. The one thing that I will have to say about compression socks I'm not a fan of is that they do cause itchiness. And Now, I don't know if it's actually the material or the fact that you know, when your legs are being compressed for 12 hours on and it's triggering some type of sensation overload on your legs, that might cause things to kind of fire back and forth. Your legs get kind of irritated over time. So that is one caveat I have about compression socks. But other than that, they work wonders in your legs. Really prevent spider veins towards the end of the year. So FYI, pro tip, compression socks. All right, Tina, I'm about to head out to work. Okay, have a good shift. I'll see you in the morning. Thank you, I'll see you tomorrow. Mm -hmm. 12 hours. Just 12 hours. Yep. Whew, it's hot. It's been a hot day lately, huh? Shoes are hard to put on. <laughs> Alright, I'll see you later. Bye, This is a nurse pod. So lately, I've been getting a lot of anxiety sort of creeps up on me the moment I get into my car, drive to the hospital, park at the hospital, and then walk right into the sliding doors of the hospital. And it's just an anxiety feeling that lingers every time. Maybe it's just sort of this fear of, of the unexpected, not knowing what type of patient assignment I'm gonna get. Am I gonna be assigned to four? Am I gonna assign to five, potentially six? Am I gonna be having a lot of TPC, a lot of total patient care? 
assigned to me? You know, am I going to be working with COVID patients? Am I going to be working with patients under investigation? You don't know. You sort of just walk in there with like a lucky number in the hat and you pull it out and you just kind of see what kind of patients you get. So it's always a surprise every time. And that's sort of the thrill of working as a nurse, but also there's a lot of anxiety that, that comes with it. So I think one thing I really help to reassure myself is just trying to learn to stay flexible at all times. Another thing is to find a buddy that you can really ask for help when you're, you're stuck in a jam or you have some type of questions about this certain medication or how to give this medication or this patient's presentation. It's always nice to have somebody um, that you can work with next to you within the workstation to really kind of uh, pick their brain um, because nothing is better than having multiple neurons sort of intersecting with each other, having multiple brains trying to figure out a problem and trying to figure out a solution. Um, but yeah, the anxiety is still there and I've, I'm slowly learning to deal with them and be more confident. Another thing I do right before work on my off days are watching a bunch of YouTube videos to kind of refresh some of the things that have been a little bit vague taught in nursing school. So a certain pathophysio, since I'm working with a lot of cardiac patients, I've been watching a lot of videos on that. Um, I also subscribe to uh, many other nursing education um, modules to kind of stay up to date on how to do certain assessments, when to notify a provider when this type of presentation a patient happens. So it's always important to stay up to date um, and to, to really constantly relearn yourself each time because trust me, even though nursing is sort of the learn on the job type of, uh, of environment, you're so busy as a new grad that you don't really have a lot of time to slow down and learn. At least for me, I don't learn very well in a, in a super fast paced environment, especially when I don't really have a lot of clinical or hospital experiences prior to nursing. So the more time that you can dedicate yourself on your off day to learn about things that have been really unsure about, um, the better prepared you are when you're going into your shift. That's just an FYI. So that's something that helped with my anxiety too, because knowledge is power and the more tools that you have up your sleeve, the better you're well equipped for the job. It's been really hot outside, so sometimes my temperature is elevated. It has nothing to do with any COVID symptoms. So it's funny. All right, let's put this mask on. I always like to start my shift taking the stairs and not taking the elevator. It's good to get some blood flowing before you start your shift. 
Okay. How's it going? So around this time, it's around 6.45 p.m., I just walk into the nurse's break room, and this is where all the night shift nurse and all the night shift CNA reports to the charge nurse. The charge nurse is currently working on our patient assignment. I've been assigned to five different patients. Two patients came in with severe uh, chest pain. One of them is currently on a heparin drip. I have another patient that's on comfort care, another patient who is here for pneumonia, and then finally another patient who's in here for um also COVID-like symptoms. So uh, we usually kind of clock in around uh, 6.53. We make sure that we uh, know what patients that we're working with. I, I'm i known as the guy who writes their patient's room number on their arm. So I kind of tattoo my arm with like a permanent marker just because I'm still having a hard time remembering all my patients. So I just write it down on my arm to make sure that I know who I'm working with. And then around this time, after we checked in with our charge nurse, we go ahead and find our uh, our day shift nurse and get a report. That was a very long shift. 12 hours went by really, really quick. And that's kind of the perks of working on a very busy floor. But it definitely drained a lot of brain power. And as you can tell, my voice has been completely shot from notifying and calling the provider and talking to the charge nurse and talking to patients and talking to my fellow comrade nurses so it's a lot of communications ups and downs and i think one of the toughest thing is like towards the end when you had to give your shift report to the incoming nurse you're trying to muster every strength and resilience and discipline to give someone of a decent report and let me tell you it's it's such a learning experience for me and this huge learning curve sometimes i just feel like the other nurse is just like, what is he even talking about? Like, you're just basically giving random, like, cacophony of information. So it's, I feel them, I feel for them. And I, and I wish I can, you know, kind of clean that up a little bit, clean up my S-bar. But, you know, it's, it's been difficult when a lot of things kind of happen all suddenly at once. So, um, yeah. So this shift, I was assigned to five different patients. And as anybody know, five patients is a lot. It's a lot for me as a new grad, for sure. Especially when you have a lot of the patients who came in for very similar um, complaints. A lot of them was are coming in for chest pains. Um, so it's sometimes I kind of mix up um, one patient for the other patient. Um, and so I kind of need to stop myself and then look at the chart one more time to make sure that I'm given the right medication and they're in here for the right reason, right? Like some of them are going in for a stress test. Some of them are going for an echo. Um, so, you know, things of that sort. So um, I have to be really, really um, alert as to who is in here for what reason. So it was a very heavy floor. And the thing about night shift is that we're always under staff. 
I think tonight we had only about um, a total of five patients. The least I've seen was just four patients. I'm sorry, back that up. We had a total of five nurses. And that's not too bad. I think the, the least amount of nurses I've seen during night shift was four nurses, where we had some had five patients, some had six patients, right? And some of these patients are very heavy in terms of their care. Like some of them are TPCs, their total patient care, meaning that we do other vital signs. We make sure we ambulate them. We provide micro shift. We move them on the bed. We empty their, um, their urine. You know, we do all their I's and O's, the medication, everything. And you can imagine that takes up a lot of time. So um, having the ability to manage your time carefully and really optimal is a skill in its own. It's one of the sort of the skill sets of being on a floor as a floor nurse, right? So it's it's a very busy floor and it's even much more busier during night. I can't imagine it's it's even more busy during the daytime. What makes it really busy during the nighttime is because we only have one physician throughout the entire hospital. So that's our nocturnal doctor. And we really had to make sure that we paged him for the very right reason. I had to page the physician maybe four times tonight, and two of them were for, for reasons for two other patients. I had uh, a patient who blood pressure was really dropping pretty low. They start off at like 90s over 40s, and then they drop down to the 80s systolic. And so I was looking at the medication of what type of medication this patient got from the last nurse, and you know he got morphine, so that really vasodilated their blood pressure, and it really drops it even further. So I paged a physician about what I found. You know, the patient was having some symptoms too. The patient was having left-sided chest pain. And it's been it's been kind of a new thing for him too. It's It hasn't really radiated. So something tells me that it's not related to um, a stroke. I was looking at the chart and the patient might be potentially diagnosed with pericarditis, which is uh, an infection in the pericardium of the heart. And so um, the doctor gave an order for 500 mils of normal saline bolus. We run that for about an hour and then recheck their blood pressure. The blood pressure went up to the 90s and then we continue with 100 milliliters of normal saline. So um, it was a lot of kind of checking and balancing and a lot of assessment on the patient. Uh, we had one patient who just completely refused taking PO medication and I had to like really educate the patient and call the daughter to kind of notify the daughter what is going on with this patient and the daughter seems to be okay with it. So the good thing is the daughter is going to come by earlier today to really talk to um, their mom and really kind of help encourage them to, you know, not um, miss out on any of the medications. And then finally, I had another patient who was essentially in here for severe uh, infection. He had sepsis. He had uh, so much swelling in his legs. He was a very um, high blood sugar. He's diabetic. So there's, he's very um, medically unstable and medically complex. And he thinks that he's leaving today, which in my opinion, he is not medically stable to be discharged at all whatsoever. He's been getting um, a lot of notification on his um, his labs about him being infected with the various types of uh, bacteria infection and you know he is running on multiple um, types of antibiotics so it's it's going to be really difficult for him to be discharged without taking those medication at a hospital setting so who knows i mean this guy's been here for about 
10 plus days and it's it's been pretty long for his sake and i can totally understand his agitation his frustration of being at the hospital i mean who wants to be at the hospital that long you're not at your home you're losing all sense of autonomy um, you're just not at a very comfortable place. So I definitely feel for the patients and their frustration. And we really have to kind of meet them halfway, which is another skill in its own is be able to deliver really good therapeutic communication to ensure that they are um, medically stable and taking their medication as well. Also, something I wanted to add is that towards the end of the shift, there are some levels of disappointment that you have for yourself. And I think for me is that... Um, Initially during the shift, I set out all these different plans and goals that I, I wish to do with my patients. You know, for instance, I had a lady that I was working with who was on comfort care and I wanted to, you know, be able to do little things like wash her hair and make sure she feels good and sleep. But um, it's it's hard. You can't do it. I, I didn't have time to do that because you would have one patient who was um, decompensated rapidly. And that needs to be prioritized over the other thing. <clears throat> and so, you know, when you give shift report to the incoming nurse and, you know, they they tell you that they, they hope they were able to do that during day shift and you told them that you can, but you couldn't keep your promises and, and you feel really bad. You feel inadequate. You feel like you're not being a really good team player. And, you know, I have to learn how to balance between not taking it personally and really understanding that that's just the reality of my shift. And sometimes I had to prioritize over one thing over the other. And, you know, at the end of the day, nobody died, which is really horrible to say as like your benchmark. But that's the truth. No one died. Everyone survived. And that is just kind of what we have to really learn to cope with and learn to um, to really kind of balance our time is to really prioritize the most urgent need. Right to really fulfill that Maslow hierarchy, so it's just something that I I kind of took it to the heart. And oftentimes, you know, when you go home, you tell yourself not to take work personally. You're not trying to take work with you home, but it's it's there and it's fresh in your head, and you think about it. And that's when self care really comes to play is to be able to filter out sort of that negativity, and so that you can come home, be well rested, and then when you come to your shift later on tonight, you can start with a clean slate and you can leave all your self-limiting belief by the door because really it's not about you, it's about the patient. So that's something that I kind of had to learn on my own um, and something that I'm currently learning as we go, so. Aside from just focusing on the negative, let's talk about some of the positive things that happened during the shift. Um, positive things, number one, I was able to project my voice loudly so that the patient can hear. And that might sound very silly, but a lot of patients that I work with or a lot of patients I encounter with on our floor all have some type of hearing deficit, right? Sometimes they're not wearing their hearing aid and you have to really learn how to scream. And well, not scream, but just to be able to project your voice in a very presentable way. And so, you know, sometimes I had issues doing that for 12 hours on, right? It's a very enduring and it takes a lot of energy to be able to kind of talk from your, um, from your diaphragm, especially when you're running back and forth, back and forth, fixing things, right? So um, I was able to do that. Number two, I was able to be present with my patient, right? I can easily worry about this patient right next door about, you know, not giving them their medication on time or um, about a recent lab values or notifying the doctor, you know, just things of that sort. 
but I am in this room with this patient at this current moment. So I was able to learn to detach myself from thinking about someone else and really focus on their, their current pain, their current needs, and really focus on whatever goals that I can um, accomplish with them. So that was something that I um, can really give myself a pat on the back. Um, number three, notifying the provider. Let me tell you this. I still am... Um, get a little bit nervous about notifying the provider, especially you know when you have one provider at night. But I also am getting a little bit better about telling myself it's okay, just notify the provider. You know, the worst thing that can happen would be they would be angry at you. They would potentially say that you're incompetent, you're you're not very smart. You know, things of that sort. And again, that's that's about you. That's not about the patient. And so. Um, I had to learn to put my um, my bias aside and really focus on the patient, even if it means notifying the provider at a very late hour um, in fear of them might think that I was not very intelligent enough to figure this out on my own. But um, that's something that I was able to accomplish. And, you know, tonight talking to the provider wasn't that bad. We seemed to be able to communicate very um very coherently and um, I was able to understand what exactly he needs and when to notify him so um, the more practice you allow yourself to to do um, the easier and the less stressful it gets over time especially if you're working night shift um, number four um, so right after shift ended we have our um, routine morning huddle where we have day shift and night shift nurses come together with the nurse manager to discuss about some of the current things current important things and um, the health of our unit and things that we hope to accomplish together as an entire unit and one of the things was like having people to be part of uh, a community um, one of them was the code community where they would have certain nurses volunteer to be part of the code team where they would either run down to the icu or be part of our new unit so it's something kind of like an rt but i think it's a little bit more localized where it's actually more pertaining to our unit and no one really volunteered for a code. Um, and, you know, I thought it was a, a really good opportunity for me to sink my teeth in and be a little bit more comfortable about running codes or being part of a code. So I volunteer, I raise my hand, and uh, we'll see what happens. I don't know what I got myself into, but, you know, it's all about seeing an opportunity and take charge at it and really learning to kind of develop my my nurse self, right, to, to build more armors on top of myself and have more arsenals on me when I get myself in a very sticky situation. Um, number five uh, or four, I, I lost count. I was able to survive with very minimal lunch break. Let me tell you that. So during night shift, we don't really get a lot of lunch break. And I think just because we're so understaffed, not a lot of people... Um, really utilize their lunch break i've only ate half of a peanut butter sandwich so i i was so hungry and i needed to kind of um eat my feels so i went to mcdonald's and it's so easy to just tap into something very quickly but you know what i was just so tired i just got an eggs burrito something to kind of help me sustain um and be able to sleep well during the morning but i was able to survive physically um i think i walked around five and a half miles total throughout the entire shift so those are pretty much my small victories. Um, I want to say I am very proud of myself to ask for help when I needed to and call the provider when I think um, is necessary, as well as you know being very patient and being very present with my patient too. So pat on the back for that. Good job, V. Some key things that I wanna kinda remind myself. 
So I did my first heparin drip on a patient. And it's really important to see their unfractioned heparin. Usually an unfractioned heparin is ordered routinely, um, depending on whatever their heparin unfraction is. If it's not a therapeutic level, you want to make sure that you order it um, every six hours. So for my patient scenario, um, he had a heparin fraction that was uh, therapeutic, and so we didn't really change his current rate dose. And then he had his lab drawn in the morning, and it was actually a lot higher than the previous one. And so one thing that I forgot to do was um, reorder for another heparin draw um, at six hours from the moment that I paused the machine. So just FYI for anybody who works with heparin trips, be very, very, very mindful of what the results are and really make sure you read those scales on the uh, heparin infusion to make sure that um, you're doing exactly what the directions told. In my case, I had to, um, had to pause the machine once I got the uh, results and then pause it for about an hour and then restart it at a different dose. So in my case, my guy had 1200 units over one hour. We paused it after we got the unfractioned heparin because it was beyond, I think it was 0 0.97. And once I got that reading, then I, after I paused it for an hour, what I should have done was that I should have reordered the heparin unfraction to be drawn six hours from the moment that it was stopped. So it was stopped at like 6 a.m. So I should have ordered it to be drawn at noon. So once that one hour has done after I paused it, then I'm gonna restart it from 1200 units to 900 units over one hour. Again, everyone's patients have different heparin protocols, but you just gotta really make sure that you check their labs. If it's therapeutic, the heparin infraction, you pause it or you continue it in terms of their rate. When you pause it, make sure that you reorder it and then um, restart it at a different dosage. So definitely, definitely carefully read your heparin infraction under the MAR. All right. Hey, I'm about to head to sleep, so, um, you're gonna be okay? Yeah, I'll just be here working. Yeah. I hope you get good sleep. Thanks. Hopefully, I'll be back tonight, so. Okay. Good night. Good night. So Tina and I have been having an opposite schedule. I would come home from work, and she would start her work. She works from home, so it's been kind of an interesting dynamic, um, having our schedules right on the opposite side of our timely spectrum but it's been so far it's been manageable um i would start sleeping and then she would work the full um nine to five sometime from seven to five really depending on how busy she is but um it's it's definitely an adjustment and yeah tomorrow is my last day and then i'll be having my break so we'll see how it goes Every day is always a surprise. Every night is always a surprise. So that's my night shift chronicle slash diary, whatever you want to call it.
Hey friends, so thanks for listening to this episode. I know it's a little bit experimental, but I want to try something different, try to capture more in real time and kind of document about what's really going on in my head during my 12-hour night shift. So I appreciate you kind of listening to this. If you have any questions, feel free to drop me a line at nursevson at gmail.com. I'm also on Instagram at nursevson. So feel free to subscribe on Spotify and love to hear your feedback. Stay safe, wear a mask, and happy nursing.